It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January the 4th. Thank you for taking time to join us on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you tonight. Good to be with you, and we're glad that you're a part of the virtual Bible study tonight. We hope you have your Bibles out. We want to go to God's Word and study what He has for us in our lives. We hope you have your Bible open and you have your mind open to consider what God wants from you in your lives. The number to call to participate in the program tonight is 931-381-4567. Dad, if we have new listeners tonight, this is a listener interactive program, which we encourage our listeners to call us on the phone like they would on a call-in radio program, or they can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. That's right. We really want participation, and we believe our program is the best when we get it. So if you're listening tonight, uh, even if you agree, send us an email. Tell us so. And we especially invite you to email us or phone us if you disagree. We'll move you to the head of the line if you disagree with anything that we're saying, uh, because we believe that we can study together from the Word of God and come to a common understanding of His truth. In fact, we believe that's what He wants us to do, is to understand His Word and understand it alike. So uh, get involved in this program. Uh, gather your family around the computer. Uh, turn off the TV for a while. And as we say, use your computer for something good and make this a regular appointment to study with us on Thursday nights at the Virtual Bible Study. The number again to call is 931-381-4567, 931-381-4567, or the email address to use is questions at collegeview.com, questions at collegeview.com, or you can use the Skype button on our website to Skype the Virtual Bible Study to talk with us over the Internet. Those are the three ways you can participate, and we hope you will Take a minute to participate tonight. We're going to talk about something that uh, needs to be talked about. Dad, this is something that is fundamental to our salvation. We're talking about forgiveness, Dad, on the program tonight. We need to be forgiven, and as a result, we need to learn how to forgive ourselves because God has told us very, very clearly, if we will not forgive, we will not be forgiven. That's right. We want to talk about forgiveness tonight, but we want to talk about it from the standpoint of our duty to forgive others. We can certainly concentrate on forgiveness, on how God has forgiven us, talk about the conditions of how God forgives us, and all that. We'll probably touch on some of that tonight. The the gift of forgiveness from God is an amazing thing, and we should be continually thankful for it. But tonight we want to concentrate on the subject of our duty to be a forgiving people. Uh, you know, that's a pretty easy thing to say. We ought to forgive people. But I really think that the subject of forgiveness is much more involved, and there's there's a there's a lot of uh, um, sort of details of that subject that we want to try to investigate tonight in in our study. We want to talk about our duty to forgive others and what the Bible teaches us concerning the how of forgiveness, how we do that, and what's all involved in that. That's our study tonight. Uh, if you have some questions about that subject. 
uh, or if you uh, have some input that you'd like to add, by all means, uh, join us and, and get involved. That's right. As we get into the program tonight, Dad, we'll tackle this question, should we forgive those who have not asked for that forgiveness? Maybe you have some thoughts on that. Maybe you have some questions about that. Stay tuned for that discussion. Maybe get your emails ready on that, that question as we go throughout the study tonight. Again, we're glad that you've joined us, and we hope you'll stay tuned. Dad, as we've talked about the fact that God has made it clear if we are unwilling to forgive, he will not forgive us. Jesus said it as much in Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 14. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, beginning, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There's a condition there. If we want to be saved, if we want to be forgiven from our trespasses, God tells us, Jesus tells us, we've got to be willing to forgive others. And so there's a command there, Dad, and we need to be willing to comply with that command, and thus the importance of our discussion tonight. That's right. You know, if you, if we realize our own eternal destiny is dependent upon uh, getting this right, this is not an optional thing, not something that we can take lightly, not something to be messed around with. Our, our eternal salvation is dependent upon this. Exactly right. And so it is a command that we must be following. What do you think about forgiveness? How can we forgive? How can we have the attitude that we should? What are some examples that we can use as we try to forgive one another? 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. In Second Corinthians chapter 9, beginning verse 5, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they should go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye have noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly over necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, as we talk about our instructions from God, Dad, everything we do in service to God needs to be done with a cheerful heart and a cheerful attitude, and that is the same of forgiveness as well. You know, um, I'm afraid that some people have the attitude that I'll forgive someone because I have to, but I don't want to forgive them, and we can't have that attitude as we serve God in anything, and especially in the area of forgiveness. When we forgive, we must be willing and we must be excited about forgiving our brethren. I think that's right, and I think that's uh, where that text is really good that you just read, Jacob. It's talking about giving, of course, but what it shows is we have a duty to give, but it has to be done in the right spirit or God's not pleased with it. You could give, but give grudgingly. God's not pleased with it. He loves a cheerful giver. We could say the same thing about any duty that we have toward God. If we do it just out of a grudging necessity, God is not pleased with that. He wants us to do it cheerfully with a right heart. And so when it comes to this matter of forgiveness, that same thing applies. We, we can say we're commanded to forgive. And someone says, okay, therefore I will forgive, but I don't like it and I'm not happy about it. That's the wrong attitude. We've got to, we've got to forgive. And we've got to do it with the right spirit. So, uh, you know, I think that's a point that can be emphasized about any spiritual duty, but certainly pertinent here. Exactly right. We've got to be willing to forgive and we've got to be excited about it. It is not something that we do simply out of duty, but we won't like it. We need to be willing to forgive because we're going to try and follow the example of Christ, Dad. First Peter chapter two, verse 21 tells us that we should follow in his steps. Christ was a forgiving person. And if we're going to be like Christ, we're going to be forgiving. Christ forgave when it was difficult. Christ forgave when the people who wanted the forgiveness weren't necessarily the easiest to forgive. Christ did that. Christ forgave. We need to be willing to forgive as well. You know, uh, it's pretty amazing that uh, um, Jesus, who was the co-creator with the Father, uh, 
it says in John chapter uh, John chapter one, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came into his own and his own received him not. You know, it's pretty amazing that Jesus could have a forgiving attitude toward mankind. They were his creation and yet they wouldn't receive him. They rejected him. They cruelly abused him and murdered him. That, that Jesus could have a forgiving attitude toward his own creation that had rejected him is a pretty amazing thing. That talks about the, the capacity of God the Father and Jesus the Son uh, and the Holy Spirit to extend forgiveness when it's undeserved and we're unworthy of it. The, the, that measure of forgiveness is pretty amazing. Exactly right. We have to understand that Christ forgave and we're trying to be like Christ. Therefore, we will forgive. That's why we need to study this tonight. And furthermore, we need to understand that we've been forgiven, Dad. You know, as we look at our lives and look at how much Christ has, and God have forgiven us, certainly that will help us to be more forgiving if we'll understand that we have been forgiven ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a, an important part of forgiveness is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, I think one of the most powerful verses on the subject, and we really want to get into this verse tonight. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know, we've been forgiven. Therefore, we ought to be a forgiving people. Uh, and, and when we think about the, the debt of sin that has uh, been forgiven of us, we ought to be anxious and ready uh, to forgive others. And we see a similar passage in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. The example there is to follow in Christ's steps and to understand that we have been forgiven. Therefore, it is imperative to us to forgive others. Let's give our contact info again. If you've got some thoughts along the line of forgiveness or some questions about it, as I said, I think it's a pretty involved subject if you've got some thoughts or questions about forgiveness give us a call 931-381-4567 or you can email us at questions at collegeview.com we'd be glad to hear from you in either of those ways um you know jacob i think one of the to me one of the most graphic parables that jesus ever taught was the parable of the unmerciful servant in luke chapter or excuse me in matthew chapter 18 um, it the parable was taught because jesus was asked a question about forgiveness in matthew 18 verse 21 then came peter to him and said lord how oft shall my brother sin against me and i forgive him till seven times Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. So Peter thought he was being pretty generous when he said, I could forgive a guy up to seven times. I th- I, I, I'm, I'm sort of reading his mind, I suppose, but I, I imagine that he thought that was a pretty generous offer on his part. I forgive a guy seven times. Well, Jesus said no, 490 times, and obviously he didn't mean literally count out 490 times. He means we should be forgiving, endlessly capable of forgiving. Let's not look down our noses at Peter, though. By seven times, let's assume that someone did something to us seven times, and we forgave them six times, and they came back and did the exact same thing to us seven times. Many of us would be like Peter and say, now, wait a minute. I've done it enough. I've forgiven him seven times or this. I'm, that's where I'm going to call it quits. But uh, but Jesus sets a, a, a line there, a bar higher than uh, what way, Peter Way said. higher. Yeah. Way higher. And then he goes on to teach that parable. In that context of being asked about how willing should we be to forgive, he goes on to teach the parable of the unmerciful servant. 
He says, verse 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. When he begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had in payment to be made. And the servant fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave the debt. Now, stopping right there just to consider, you know, maybe 10,000 talents, 10,000 of anything is quite a, quite a number, but if you stop to do some analysis of that, this guy, if those were talents of gold, this guy potentially owed not millions, but billions of dollars to his Lord, to the king. Uh, I think Jesus purposely in the parable used an extreme number, extreme, unimaginable debt. The guy said, if you'll give me time, I'll pay. Well, he could never pay. It was an unpayable debt. He would never in a lifetime, never in a hundred lifetimes, be able to pay that debt off. But the but the master was forgiving, forgave him that debt. Then the parable goes on to say, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And, when he lay, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. A hundred pence would be a hundred days' wages. And so we're talking about something on the order of maybe four or five months. Give, give this guy a year maximum. He could pay off that debt. But notice it says that the, the, the first servant, who had already been forgiven of the unforgivable debt, the first servant would not give his fellow servant the time, but went and cast him into prison until he should pay all. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told that, that unto their Lord, uh, what, what was done, then the Lord, after that he called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. You know, really amazing story. That guy could be forgiven of such a huge debt, and then he wouldn't give his fellow servant a little time to pay off a debt that was owed. But the picture of that is we are the first servant. We're the unmerciful servant if we won't forgive others. We're the ones who, by virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, have been forgiven of the unpayable debt. And we could never work it out. We could never pay off the debt of sin that we owe. But we were forgiven through the blood of Jesus. And then for us to go out to someone else and refuse to forgive them puts us exactly in the category of that unmerciful servant. He seems so horrible in this parable. But that's just how horrible we are if we will not forgive others. Exactly right. Based on our forgiveness and the enormous forgiveness that God and Christ have shown us, we must be showing forgiveness to our brethren. If not, God will not forgive us. What do you think about forgiveness how can we forgive as we should? What are some guidelines to use as we forgive others? We need to know what we should do in the area of forgiveness because our salvation is dependent upon forgiving others. Let us know your thoughts. The number to call is 931-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com or Skype the Virtual Bible Study. Time for a break. When we get back, we hope to hear from you. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. 
But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that He commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you for joining us tonight. We'd like to hear your thoughts about forgiveness as we talk about our requirement to be forgiving people just as Christ has forgiven us. The number to call is 931-381-4567 or email your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com or use the Skype button on our website. We're looking forward to you joining in on the discussion tonight. Jay, we've got an email from Ben in Iowa. We're glad that you're listening out there in Iowa, Ben. Glad you've picked up the virtual Bible study tonight. And he asked a simple question. He says, what is mercy? Um, You know, we, we throw these words around pretty freely forgiveness mercy grace sometimes we don't stop to just think about what the definitions of those kind of terms are but in in regards to mercy in answer to ben's question vines says mercy is the outward manifestation of pity it assumes need on the part of him who receives it and resources adequate to meet the need on the part of him who shows it it is used of God who is rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, verse 4, and who has provided salvation for all men, Titus 3, verse 5. So I think the, the term mercy is tied to our study tonight of forgiveness in that mercy on the part of God is what made him willing to extend forgiveness to us. Uh, in other words, he was in a position to be able to provide what we needed, and he did. And so mercy on the part of God is what uh, it caused him to have a forgiving uh, spirit toward us. And in the same sense, I think if we will be merciful, and of course we're commanded to be merciful. Jesus uh, instructed in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Uh, so I think these th- those two things are really tied closely together. Mercy, I think, provokes us to forgive. Strong defines the Greek word that is translated mercy as being compassionate. He notes that it is an active verb, and it absolutely is that if we're going to be merciful to someone, it's going to require action on our part, and that action is going to include being forgiving of them when they have trespassed against us. Let us know your thoughts, 931-381-4567, or questions at collegeview.com. Thank you for your email tonight, Ben, on the virtual Bible study. Well, Dad, as we talk about forgiveness, we need to remind ourselves that if we do not forgive men their trespasses, our Father in Heaven will not forgive us, and so the importance of our discussion tonight. That's right. Let me read a familiar statement of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. Now, remember, Matthew chapter 6 is still in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, and in, in the course of that sermon on the mount jesus taught matthew 6 verse 9 after this manner therefore pray ye so he taught a prayer a lot of people call it the lord's prayer we think it's better labeled the model prayer but in that he said forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors that's a part of that prayer you will remember 
And then when he ended that prayer, he went on to expand upon that notion of forgiveness in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So that makes it pretty plain that our forgiveness is contingent upon our willingness to forgive others. So how important is this subject then? Well, it's obviously extremely important. Our salvation is dependent upon it. All right, and let's talk about then how we should be forgiving, because as we noted, if we do not forgive, God will not forgive us. So how do we forgive? We've already talked about one passage, I believe, that is fundamental, as you noted, Dad, to this discussion of telling us how we should be forgiving our brethren, and that is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, where we read, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. We're told here that we are to forgive just as God in Christ has forgiven us. So we're following an example. We're following a divine pattern. And that divine pattern, Dad, is going to be very hard to follow because of the enormous qualities of forgiveness that God has shown towards us. Yeah, but I would emphasize there uh, the 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 phrase just as. That means do it exactly as he does it. Now, obviously, that sets a... Uh, uh, a high bar. That's a that's a standard that we're striving for. God is perfect in this. Obviously, He's perfect in everything, and He set a standard for us to strive for. As you said, Jacob, I think it'll be hard uh, to match Him. But that's that's the pattern we're trying to imitate in the matter of forgiveness. All right, very good. That's what we must do. We must be following the example of Christ, of God and Christ. We're to forgive just as God has forgiven us. Well, how does he forgive? Well, first off, we must notice that God is always willing to forgive, Dad. God wants us to be saved. He wants us to be forgiven. That's told us very clearly in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, talking about God says he desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So God wants us to be saved. He is ready and willing and wants us to be forgiven. He he has a deep desire to forgive us. He wants to. He's very desirous that we should be saved. In Second Peter chapter three verse nine, it says, "The Lord is long suffering to us, word not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." In other words, it's it's God's desire. If He had His will, uh, and if men would submit to His will, all would be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. In conjunction with that, we've got a follow-up question from Iowa. Jacob Ben is, uh, has emailed back, and he asked, he's the one who asked, how long does God's mercy? He asked about what is mercy, and then he asked, how long does God's mercy last? Well, notice that context, Second Peter 3, verse 9. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. It goes on to say, and it talks about the final judgment. So God will, God is patient and long-suffering, but there is a limit to that. That's right. But we also read in Psalm 100, verse 5, The Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. So I think the the gist of what we see there in Psalm 100, verse 5, is that God's mercy will exist until this world is destroyed. Uh, there is always going to be the availability for us to obtain God's mercy as long as this world will stand. As long as we're breathing air and taking nourishment, we can receive we, the benefits of God's mercy and forgiveness of our sins. And so, you know, as long as we are are responsive, then God's mercy stands and forgiveness is possible. Uh, but ultimately, he will bring judgment. We need to be aware of that. That's right. Thank you again for your email tonight, Ben. 
If you have any other comments, we look forward to hearing from you. Look forward to hearing from any of our listeners at uh, questions at collegeu.com for your questions or comments via email or 931-381-4567 for your questions or comments over the telephone tonight. This is a listener interactive program. As we talk about forgiveness, we'll benefit from your comments. We hope you'll join in tonight. Jacob, another verse that talks about God's willingness to forgive is in the Psalms. And you know, many of the Psalms were written by David, a, 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 a man who had experienced God's forgiveness and was very grateful for it and often wrote about it in the Psalms and Psalm 86, verse 5, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Notice this, notice there in that simple verse, he's ready to forgive. Notice how it's linked with mercy. He's plenteous in mercy. And notice then, we're going to get into this, and I've already got a couple of emails coming in about the conditionality of forgiveness, but notice he is plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon him. And so we're going, to, we're going to get into that calling upon him. But God is certainly willing to forgive. Now, remember, we're going to tie this all back to Ephesians 4.32. We're to forgive just as God forgives us. One aspect of his forgiveness is a strong willingness to forgive. He really wants to. And that's the way uh, we ought to be. Uh, you know, sometimes people not that way. They 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 say, well, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. I'm gonna and they carry a grudge. And even though they say they've forgiven somebody, they never treat them right. And they, you know, the the relationship is always uh, at a strain and and so forth. That's not the willingness to forgive that God manifests. That's right. He is plenteous to mercy. You know, he's ready to forgive. He wants to forgive, not like. Some people uh, today, Dad, like we're tempted to be, in which we'll forgive if we have to, but we don't really want to, and we won't completely forgive. That's not how we are to forgive. If we're following the example of God, Psalm 103 goes on to tell us, Dad, that God forgives absolutely, that it, when God forgives, it's forgiven. There's no question about that. Yeah, that's exactly right. He's a, um, he, he doesn't hold a grudge. He, he doesn't... Uh, he doesn't say, well, I'll forgive, but I've got this in my back pocket here, and if anything happens, I'm going to bring this all up again, and we'll go through this all over again or anything like that. Uh, he he uh, uh, is absolute in his forgiveness. That's right. In Psalm 103, verse 12, we read, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression from us. There's a forgiveness that we should attain, Dad, that we would have our transgressions moved as far as the east is from the west. That's as far as you can get. God has removed our transgressions from us. Yeah, uh, and again, so linking that all together, he's willing to forgive, and he forgives absolutely. You know, it's not once this is forgiven, it's not an issue any longer. It's not an open wound. It's not something that can that he's uh, certain to bring up again and again and again. He's absolute in forgiveness. You know, one one word, Jacob, I think we could use to describe God's forgiveness is that he is aggressive in his forgiveness, uh, that that he works at it. I mean, he, he, he's made effort that we didn't even deserve toward forgiveness. In Romans 5, verse 8, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No, no, in other words, he started making uh, uh, plans for our forgiveness 
long before we made any overtures toward him, long before we called upon him, he began making a plan and and uh, putting into place a scheme of redemption so that we could be saved. And so he, you know, we sometimes use the expression, go the extra mile. He certainly went more than the extra mile to make it possible for us to be forgiven. Now, since that's true of God, then that, that also ought to be true of us. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said, If thy brother shall trespass against thee, well, what do we do then? Well, we, we start gossiping about him. We start complaining to others about him. We go around behind his back and run him down. And, and No. If he wants to come and make up for it, then we can hey, talk I'm, about I'm it. right here. He knows where I'm at, and if he wants right. to find me, he knows where I am. Let him come and beg for forgiveness. Right. No. All of that, of course, is being sarcastic there. Unfortunately, that's the way some brethren approach it. But in Matthew 18, verse 15, If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. And so I need to be aggressive in trying to bring about forgiveness just as God is. Remember, we're to forgive just as he has forgiven us. So he's he's willing to forgive. He forgives absolutely. He's aggressive. In other words, he pursues the matter of forgiveness, even though he didn't have to do that and we're totally unworthy of it. He really pursued that, and that's the way we need to be, too. You know, it's been pointed out, Jacob, I think if you combine Matthew 18, 15, if your brother has a a trespass against thee, go and tell him. In other words, if I'm the one who has been wronged, then I should go uh, to the one who has wronged me. Uh, Then when... And I'm sure many of our listeners have seen this combination of verses. If you combine that with Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, it says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother has ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So, if I realize I've done something wrong to someone else, I should go to them. If that other person who has been wronged realizes that, they should be coming to me, and as we often point out, we'll meet someplace in the middle. And any problem can be worked out if we have that disposition. We need to to be aggressive in this matter of reconciling wrongs and 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 providing forgiveness. It's time for another break, and during this break, we hope you'll take the, min- the minute to send us your questions or comments at questions at collegeview.com. Or to call us at 931-381-4567. We're looking forward to hearing from you on the Virtual Bible Study. We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after these messages. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. Hi, this is Jordan Sanders from College View Church of Christ, and here's some thoughts for you today. Have you ever wondered why there never seems to be enough time to get everything done? Well, we may not have the answer. According to an article in U.S. News, an average American in his lifetime will spend six months at a stock sign, eight months opening junk mail, one year looking for misplaced items, two years unsuccessfully trying to return telephone calls, five years waiting in the line, and six years eating. Other recent studies suggest that we will spend as much as 20 years watching TV and even more time sleeping. Now, to put this in proper perspective, think of this. If you attend every service of church, Sunday Bible study, Sunday morning and evening worship, and Wednesday night Bible study, you will spend only about 1.5 years total. That's only slightly more time than you will spend looking for misplaced items and only about twice as much time as you will spend opening junk mail. But some Christians will not even do this much. Over and over again, we return to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. God commands us to assemble. Why? 
the context of this verse clearly shows that it is for our benefit. Are you taking advantage of this great blessing, Christian? How are you using your time? If you don't regularly attend all of the services, you may be spending more time opening junk mail than worshiping God. Isn't that a terrifying thought? Hello, this is Preston Jackson from Valdosta, Georgia, and you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study. We hope you'll stay tuned tonight. As we talk about forgiveness, this is an important subject because God has told us if we're unwilling to forgive, we don't forgive properly, he will not forgive us as well. And so we need to know how God wants us to forgive. We're looking at the example that he has set for us in the gift of his son and forgiving us. That's the example that we're to follow in our lives. If you have any questions or comments about forgiveness tonight, we want you to join in on the discussion by calling 931-381-4567 or by emailing questions at collegeview.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Jay, we've got an email from Julia, and she says, I totally agree that forgiveness is an imperative aspect of our life as Christians. That being said, I believe it is not necessarily something that is instantaneous to feel or perform, but rather a work in progress. As a matter of human nature, it may take quite a while to come to terms with someone who has done something to, say, ruin your reputation or change your life in some way that is not for the better. I find it hard to believe that Joseph just up and forgave his brothers the very next day he found himself enslaved to the Egyptian Potiphar and estranged from his family for more than ten years. I want to be like Christ, and therein is the struggle. But I have heard brethren make these instantaneous forgiveness statements, uh, quote, instantaneous forgiveness statements, and find it rather ridiculous, especially coming from those who've never really had to forgive another for an egregious act. Any suggestions on how to better handle those hard feelings and trust God to comfort? Well, I think that Julia's done a good job of describing the difficulty of the matter of forgiveness. Um, I, I agree. I mean, it's very hard to do that. What Julia has talked about there, she's, I mean, she's laid it out there. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about forgiveness. It's not an easy subject. This is not just, uh, you know, a, a discussion, an academic discussion, Dad. This is an actual get it down in our personal lives discussion and it's going to be a hard thing to put this into practice i think so uh, and but but uh, and and i agree with her about the instantaneous forgiveness I, I don't even think the bible teaches instantaneous forgiveness i think that there's certain things that have to happen to bring about forgiveness and we want to get more into that we don't want to get too far into our program before we talk about some of the necessary conditions that must, must be met for forgiveness but uh, regarding her question of how to better handle those hard feelings and and trust God. I I think probably to me the the most helpful thing, that the most motivational thing toward forgiving others is to think of our own forgiveness, how unworthy we are. There's nothing that anybody has done to us that could possibly compare to what we've done against God, and yet He has forgiven us, or at least made available forgiveness to us through His Son Jesus Christ. And if we can concentrate on that, you know, that's again, that's Ephesians 4, verse 32. Remembering how we've been forgiven, we should forgive others. Uh, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Thinking about how much we've been forgiven, we should be willing to forgive others. So, uh, uh, Julia, we're completely sympathetic. It is not an easy thing, especially as you say, when you've really been hurt by somebody. It, it takes some work. And she asked, there any suggestions on how to better handle those hard feelings and trust God to comfort We'll put that question out to our listeners. If you have any ideas on how to better, better handle the hard feelings that we have, let us know. We'd like to hear from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. Here's another thing to think about, though, as, as Julia talks about that uh, forgiveness and being ready to forgive instantly. 
You know, Christ hanging on the cross made an important statement for this discussion. He said in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this is in the middle of them crucifying him. I believe Christ was ready at that moment to forgive those who were crucifying him. And that's not something that's easy for us to put into our lives, but if we're going to be following his example, shouldn't we be aiming for that type of attitude as well in our lives, that we're not going to forgive unconditionally, instantaneously, but we're ready. You know, While we're being sinned against, we want to, them to repent. We want to forgive them. Isn't that something we should, that's I, our goal, I, I, I think. I think that's the mindset. I think the mindset is we are sitting on ready when it comes to the matter of forgiveness. We want to forgive. We're anxious to forgive. We're because that's what we're seeing about God. We're seeing that he's willing, that he forgives absolutely. He, he's aggressive to forgive, and he forgives permanently. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. This uh, Jeremiah was prophesying. The Hebrew writer references the prophecy of Jeremiah. We live in this time that Jeremiah was prophesying about when he said, This is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds, and I will, uh, in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. God com- completely, absolutely, and permanently forgives. He's willing, ready, anxious to forgive. And all of those things need to be characteristic of us. We got an email, Jacob, right in line with what you were saying concerning Jesus' statement while he was on the cross. Mark in Florida writes, I couldn't help but think of Stephen's willingness to forgive. Even as he was being stoned to death, he asked the Lord not to hold this sin against them. And uh, that's another good example of of this spirit of forgiveness that that uh, uh, we ought to manifest. Uh, in and Mark references Stephen when he was being stoned. Acts chapter seven, uh, verse fifty nine. They stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, "Lord Jesus, receive my spirit." And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, "Lord, lay not this sin to their charge." And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So um, Mark has brought up another good example of of this ready willingness to forgive. And I, I think that's what we really want to stress. That's the mindset that we have to possess. But Jacob, let's get to this other question. Now, uh, I hope that nobody could possibly disagree. We've got to be ready, willing, anxious, determined to forgive those who sinned against us, just as we have been forgiven by God. But what about... The idea of conditions of forgiveness. What about God's forgiveness? Well, that number to call is 931-381-4567 if you have thoughts about that. Or send us a question or comment to questions at collegeview.com. Thank you again, Julia. And thank you, Mark, down in Florida, for listening to the virtual Bible study and for your comments tonight. You know, yeah, we're talking about conditions. Uh, we don't think that we're talking about conditions that they've got to come and uh, and uh, kiss our big toe before we forgive them. But uh, God certainly puts conditions on our forgiveness. Well, I think this is the real question. I think this is what's on most people's minds. I got a, an email from a friend up in Jackson, Missouri. Randy has, has written, Randy, thanks for uh, uh, emailing us this question. He says, should we forgive a person who refuses to admit guilt or repent? For example, after the Columbine school shooting, some of the parents and students put up banners saying they had forgiven the shooters. However, the shooters had not apologized or repented. Does Father forgive them, for they know not what they do, apply here? In other words, should we forgive unconditionally? I was I was watching the news just before, or just this evening before coming over here for the program, Jacob. And right here in our own town of Columbia, 
uh, a denominational Pentecostal preacher here. His house was broken into while he was preaching Sunday, and they stole a bunch of stuff out of his house. And he said, uh, he, he you know quoted the same thing: "Father, forgive them, for they know not what to." He was he, the, the idea was, "I forgive them." I don't even know who they are. While they're enjoying my well, yeah, stuff. Yeah, they got my stuff. They haven't re- returned it. They they have no sorrow or they haven't repented. But I forgive them anyway. Now, that's the attitude a lot of people have, uh, that we should do that. I think Randy's email suggested maybe that's not the right view to have. We've got an, another email from our friend Pat down in North Alabama. Pat, glad you're listening tonight. He says, Luke 17.3 shows we must not forgive unless the offending party is willing to repent. We should not let him, we should not tell him he's okay when he is still out of fellowship with God. In Luke 17, verse 3, Jesus said, take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee saying, I repent. Thou shalt forgive him. So again, Jesus there emphasizes that we should be constantly ready to forgive. But he notice he plainly states a condition. This has got to be one of the most important verses in regards to this question. If he sins against you, if your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So uh, I think in regards to this question, Luke 17.3 is a really important verse. And, and I'm of the opinion that... You can't forgive somebody until they've sought that forgiveness through repentance. Thank you for your emails, Randy and Pat, on the virtual Bible study tonight. What about that, then? Let's ask the question, can we forgive someone who has not sought our forgiveness? Let us know your thoughts on that important question. A lot of different views on that. We want to hear your views tonight. 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, going back to sort of, sort of the verse that we're using uh, to build our, our study on, in um, Ephesians 4, verse 32, we're to forgive just as God has forgiven us, just as he forgave us. Well, how did he forgive us? He forgave us based upon meeting conditions of pardon. Uh, we know that we have to believe, John eight twenty four. if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So one of the conditions of us being saved is belief. We have to repent of our sins. Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We know we have to confess our faith in Jesus. Romans 10, verse 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. We know we have to be baptized for the remission of sins. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So, how does God forgive us? Well, he's ready. He's anxious. He's made provision for it. He's gone the extra mile. He's very aggressive in that. He's, he's, he, he wants to forgive us completely, absolutely, and permanently, but he plainly forgives us upon us meeting conditions of pardon. We have to seek that forgiveness. We have to come to him desiring forgiveness. And without that, he doesn't forgive. That's right. Luke 13, 3, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. There's a condition. We won't be saved unless we repent. God won't forgive us unless we repent. We see other conditions, as you've noticed there, Dad. Belief in John eight twenty four, confession in Romans 10, verse 9, and baptism in Mark 16, verse 16. Those are conditions that God has placed on our forgiveness. If we don't meet the conditions... God won't forgive us automatically and instantaneously, as some people tell us that we should forgive others. So if God places conditions on our forgiveness, and we are to imitate God and his forgiveness of us, 
certainly then it is appropriate and it is required that conditions be met of others as well if they uh, are to be forgiven by us. Exactly right. And so I, th- I think if there's any if there's any problem on this subject of forgiveness that I think folks have trouble grap- grasping, it's this idea that, yes, I'm ready to forgive, I'm willing to forgive, but I, I haven't actually forgiven somebody if they haven't desired it or sought it and if they haven't repented and turned from their from their wrong. Then while I may be very ready to do it, technically it can't be done until they've met those conditions. God doesn't do that, and we're to imitate God, and so therefore uh, we have to follow the same pattern that God has set forth for us. Actually, I think we would be doing the person a great disservice. In other words, let's say that you wronged me, Jacob. Let's say you stole something from me. You haven't repented. You haven't turned, returned it to me. You continue arrogantly to, to pursue the same course. And I say, well, well, I just forgive Jacob anyway. Well, I've actually done you a disservice because I have not come to you, urging you, rebuking you, trying to get you to repent of your sin. And so I say, well, well, I forgive him anyway. While he continues in his sin, while, you know, while, while the fellow continues in his sin, but I say, I don't care, I forgive him anyway. I've not done him any favor at all because I've left him in his sin and his soul, his eternal soul is in jeopardy. That's right. And if I go ahead and forgive that person of their trespass against me, I have to forgive like God forgave, and I have to remember it no more. Because God's forgiveness, as we've noted in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. When God forgives us, he does not remember our sins. And therefore, if we're going to forgive like God and we forgive someone who has not repented, we've got to forget that sin, and then there will be never an opportunity to encourage them to make correction for that and get in a right relationship with God. If we're going to forgive like God, it's just impossible for us to forgive if there is no repentance. And so we've done them a huge disservice in, 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 that, in that way. We've got to take a break. We're late for a break. And when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. You know, we need to get into the, the question, Dad, what about Jesus on the cross? Did Jesus forgive those who were crucifying him on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? What do you think about that? What do you think about forgiveness? Do you have any top any hints or uh, or suggestions for us as we try to forgive as God has forgiven us? What are some attitudes that we should employ? Let us know your thoughts during this break. 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin 
and it's never funny. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the Virtual <clears throat> Bible Study. We're glad you're a part of it. <laughs> Go ahead, Jacob. Uh, we got some emails coming in. We got Mike here in Columbia who has written concerning the debt that Jesus paid. He said, I recently saw this statement in a store. Jesus came to pay a debt that he did not owe because we owe a debt we cannot pay. Our spiritual service is not enough to repay God and Jesus for what they have done for us. I think that's right. And, and this goes to the point we were making earlier that you can't pay back. And we're, we're, we're in the position of that unmerciful servant. We can't uh Pay the debt we owe. God has forgiven us of, of debt we could never pay. Therefore, we should be very ready uh, to forgive. That's right. And, uh, you know, we couldn't pay back the debt, and therefore we shouldn't expect others to have to do something to pay back us. And, uh, to, you know, we say, well, they could never make up for what they've done to me. There's no way I could ever forgive them. You know, God forgave us when we could not repay the debt. We need to be willing to forgive others as well. Thank you for that comment, Mike. Jay, we've got an email uh, from our friend Ben in Iowa, and he has... He's answered your question. Here's his answer concerning the question about Jesus on the cross. He says, Jesus on the cross said, forgive them. They know not what they do. Nothing about repentance. And so Ben, and I, I think a lot of people probably agree with Ben on that, that, that he just sort of made an unconditional statement concerning the fact that they ought to be forgiven. Okay, I've got a question. And Ben, maybe you can email back and uh, your response to this. If that's true... Nothing about forget, uh, repentance there in Jesus' statement, and I'll agree there is nothing about repentance there. What did Jesus mean when he said in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish? If these people did not repent, would they not perish? Or was Jesus not uh, clear there in Luke chapter 13, verse 3? That's something for us to think about. If we say that Jesus forgave them without repentance, and we put him in opposition to what he said in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Um, I would also add in regards to this question, you know, this is one of those things that I think you got to take the whole of what the Bible teaches. You got to take everything that the Bible teaches on the subject and put it together. So Jesus said, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's what he said on the cross. Now, were they then unconditionally forgiven? The people who had crucified him, were they unconditionally forgiven? I think I can answer that absolutely positively. No, they were not unconditionally forgiven in Acts chapter two. Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he preached that famous gospel sermon on Pentecost. And in Acts 2, verse 36, he concludes that sermon by saying, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And so Peter was preaching to the people who crucified Jesus. Peter was preaching to the people concerning whom Jesus had said, Forgive them, they know not what they do. Were they forgiven? No, no. Verse 37 says, When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? So when they were convicted of the fact that they had crucified the Savior, the very Son of God, they said, What shall we do? Now, if they were unconditionally forgiven because Jesus made that statement on the cross, Peter would have responded by saying, Well, you don't have to do anything. You're already forgiven. You crucified him, but he forgave you when he said that on the cross. No. What Peter said was, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So in the case of Jesus making that statement, 
what it was was an expression of his willingness, his desire for them to be forgiven, but it is not an indication, because we've got this other information, it's not an indication that they were unconditionally forgiven. Well, and, and, G- and Peter goes on in Acts chapter 3 in another sermon, again talking about the crucifixion of Christ, he says, And brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled... Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Again, in Acts chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, Peter makes the uh, instruction there that these people needed to repent. Their sins were not forgiven there on the cross when Jesus said, uh, for God, Father, forgive them for they know so what they do. So do you see how we're putting that together? We, we, we got Jesus expressing his desire for them to be forgiven and his willingness for them to be forgiven. But we know absolutely, I mean, there's just can be no arguing this. We know they were not forgiven unconditionally because Peter was preaching there in Acts 2 and also in Acts 3 to the same people who had crucified him that Jesus made that statement concerning them. Forgive them, they know what they do. But they had to meet the conditions of repentance and obedience. And so now that's what we know about the way God forgives us. Now, Remember, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We're to forgive just as God forgives. So we should forgive based upon the condition of repentance. Luke 17, verse 3 says plainly, If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. So I think that's got to be the answer to that question. Um, Thank you for your comment, uh, Ben. And if you have any other comments about uh, about what we have said, let us know. Uh, we'd like to hear your view of that and uh, some, your explanation of those things. Uh, that's the way that uh, we see uh, the instruction of Jesus to uh, require forgiveness, repentance before uh, forgiveness is granted. Let us know your thoughts. 931-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. Plenty of time to take your questions or comments. Uh, we've got an email from Jill here in Columbia. Jill, glad you're listening tonight. She asked this question, if we can just forgive them and that makes everything all right, why would God command us to withdraw from those who walk disorderly? That's an interesting question. I hadn't thought of it that way. But if you can just say, well, well they've sinned, but we forgive them uh, unconditionally. They don't have to do anything. We forgive them anyway. Then why would we go through the process of church discipline to withdraw from a a disorderly member you know we talked about god setting the bar and the standard uh, very high you know julia was not talking about how hard it is to forgive sometimes and it is very difficult to forgive and god is the standard and that's what we're all shooting for but if god doesn't doesn't forgive without repentance are we saying that we could somehow forgive in a way that god doesn't forgive we could do better than god oh that's that's a hard thing to try to imagine that we could be better than god in the matter of forgiveness uh, that doesn't work, does it? Um, got an email from Jared in Cookville. Jared, we're glad you're listening tonight. He says, recently in the news, there's been a couple of people who have done and said bad things. Michael Richards and Mel Gibson have said some horrible racist things. However, people refuse to forgive them by saying they they can tell they're not sincere in their repentance or apology. Now, now that's, that's a couple of celebrities that have been in the news and Apparently, some folks are saying, ah, they're not sincere. They've said they're sorry because they got caught, and and we don't believe them. We don't think they're sincere, so we're not going to forgive them. So Jared goes on. Unfortunately, I have seen the same thing among Christians who don't forgive other Christians. 
These brethren will say, I know they repented, but I know in their heart they're just saying the words to make the situation better. So my question is, what are the fruits of repentance? Matthew 3, verse 8, Luke 3, verse 8. Is it up to us to determine if another Christian's fruits of repentance are sincere? Can, should we bind our judgment on someone's uh, uh, repentance on others? Um, in Luke chapter 3 and verse 8, uh, John the Baptist taught, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And so repentance bears fruit, and there should be some evidence of that. Uh, sometimes it's simply to confess that you've done wrong. Other times it may involve making restitution for something that you've done wrong. Uh, but I think in regards to Jared's questions, I, I would argue that you know we can't read hearts. God can. He knows our hearts perfectly, but we can't. And so in in some matters, if someone says they have repented, then I'm duty-bound to accept that. Now, if there's black and white evidence to the contrary, you know, if, if I've said that I've repented of uh, stealing, but I've still got your car, and I'm still, and I'm stealing other cars every day, then, then there may be hard evidence. You don't have to read my heart. You can look at the hard evidence and see that I haven't repented, and that's another matter. But in a situation where there's no hard evidence to the contrary, I can't read hearts. And so if someone says they've repented, I've got to accept that. That's right, because if we do not forgive, Dad, what if we read their heart wrong? and they are sincere, and we have not forgiven them, that certainly puts us in a bad relationship with God if we have failed to forgive our brother of their trespasses when they have repented and asked us for forgiveness. So we've got to be careful, extremely careful, about trying to read others' uh, minds and other others' hearts. We simply cannot do that. Thank you for your comments. Thanks for listening over in Cookville tonight, Jared. Uh, got one more email from Ben, uh, and he's referencing Psalm 136. Uh, 136 and verse 26 in particular, I think, is the verse that he's emphasizing here. It says, Give thanks unto God of, unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. Uh, and then he asked the question, Why does this psalm say that God's mercy endures forever, and we teach it only lasts until death? Well, God's mercy, God is a merciful being. His attitude of mercy is, is an enduring characteristic of God. He is he is always merciful, but as we've as we've seen, he states conditions of forgiveness that I'm only capable of of meeting while I'm breathing air and taking nourishment. Once I'm dead, I can't repent of my sins. Once I'm dead, I cannot confess my faith in Jesus. Once I'm dead, I can't be baptized for the remission of sins. And so it's not that God's nature has changed; it's that I have passed the window of opportunity. To meet his conditions of forgiveness, he's still he's still a merciful God. Uh, to all who are living, he can he continues to to manifest his mercy. But if we don't take advantage of that during the time that we have the opportunity to do so, then that window of opportunity closes and it's too late. Hey Ben, if you would, uh, after the program is over, maybe send us an email. Let us know your view of that um, and how you interpret that. If you believe that uh, God's mercy is available for us after we die, do you believe that? Uh, we can be saved uh, after we have uh, died and after we go on to the judgment. Uh, I'd like to hear that from you. If you don't mind, send us those, questions, those comments after the program is over. Dad, our time for the discussion tonight is over. A very important subject about forgiveness and some goals for us to set as we look at trying to be like Christ and like God in our forgiveness of others. 
Yeah, that's a that's a a high uh, mark to to try and match their forgiveness, and that's something that we can always strive to do better in. We can always do better. We have not we have not arrived in that. We we've got room to grow in that. As in all spiritual characteristics, we can grow, and we need to grow in this matter of being a forgiving people. If you're if you're listening to this discussion in the archived version via podcast or via the archived audio file on our website. Maybe you disagree with something we said tonight, or maybe you have other comments you'd like to add. Let us know your thoughts anytime you may be listening to this program. Send us your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. We'd look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, that's all. That, that address is always available. We'd like to hear from you during the week. Uh, you, know, you can send questions in. We appreciate all who participated tonight. I, I think uh, the discussion bore out what we said earlier, Jacob. That is that this question of forgiveness may be easy to, to just say, forgive. It's a lot more involved. There's a lot more to that subject than a lot of people give, give it credit for. We appreciate listening tonight, and we want to remind our listeners that uh, this forum is open to them, Dad, and any time they have a subject they think would be beneficial for discussion on the virtual Bible study. Maybe you're studying something in your personal study, and you would like to hear it discussed in this forum. Send us that suggestion to questions at collegeview.com. We can consider that for discussion on a future edition of the virtual Bible study. Yeah, and we hope everybody will make it a regular Thursday night appointment. Join us next Thursday night. Lord willing, we'll be right here at the same place, same time for the virtual Bible study. Thank you, Dad. Thank you for listeners for being there tonight on the virtual Bible study. Like we said, we hope you'll be back here next Thursday for another edition of the virtual Bible study in which we'll join with you again, Lord willing in a study of God's Word. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.